Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas, Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! So how have you been? It's been a while since we saw you. How's how's Kansas City? Pretty good. It's like 90 fucking six degrees here today. But we got 90 fucking it eight. It's painful to be outside today. It it's really so is. Awful. And it's yeah. humid too. My yeah. sister lives in Boston. She's pissed off because it's only 65 there today. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Cry me a river. <laughs> I get much more angry when it's cold in the summer than I do when it's hot. I guess. It's almost like you know what you signed up for if it's 90 degrees. Yeah. But yeah. when it's 65 degrees. But when you want to get out and do stuff, heat can be. Yeah, I guess that's Not true. like I'm going to take my dogs for a walk in this weather. Or Do you normally take your dogs for a walk? Sometimes. Yeah, if the weather's nice. it's. I mean, they're not very good on the leash, so it's painful for all of us. But I still <laughs> like them to get some exercise. Yeah, especially Leo's really bad on the leash, and he just, you know. Does he just sit and down? Santos, is, Santos goes so fast. I mean, I could go around our block in like 34 seconds. He's just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like running after him. So. It's, it's that steady yeah. diet of toilet paper. Yeah, and flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Well, you know, well, with the flaming hot Cheetos, you kind of need the toilet paper. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was going to say is, you know, he's just saving time. <laughs> Thank God we found those before he actually, he got them out of my daughter's boyfriend's backpack. Oh, I wondered. I was, you just don't look to me yeah, like a flaming hot Cheeto. Yeah, you don't look yeah. like the flaming hot Cheeto type. No, definitely not. If you're going to sign up for pain, at least make it expensive pain. Yeah, cheap, really bad processed. Cheap, nasty crap. Trans fat. Yeah. yeah. It's just the three of us. I hope you can handle handle just me and Vonnie, Donna. I hope you can handle me. I was going to say, if anybody can, it's you. You guys are the, pro, you guys are the pros. So. We're not pros. Ambitious amateurs. Yes! We're just trying to stay awake, man. We're just trying to stay awake. Ambitious <laughs> amateurs is what we are. I mean, if we were really good business people, we'd already have this shit figured out. But how many years is this now? We're still just kind of yeah. galumphing Where's along. Where's our $80 million contract from Amazon? Clearly it got lost in the mail. <laughs> we need to look back at our emails and see what happened to that one. <laughs> probably probably if, we, right. if we got an email like that, it would be, oh shit, we forgot to check the email. Just email Jeff Bezos. I'm sure he'll. Megan probably put it in a folder and we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> she likes to organize our emails. Yeah. We have all these folders and have everything in it. Well, it's because she then got annoyed we go... because we went. she went in there. We still had emails from like 2018 in there. She's like, where are we keeping all this shit? Probably got lost in her Hanson fan mail. Oh, my God. <laughs> she, you know what? I haven't heard the word Hanson out of her mouth in months. Hmm. No, she's been focused on Louie lately. Yeah. Louie, Harry, Taylor Swift. Yeah, Hanson's taken kind of a back seat for her. (laughs) That's because life has opened back up again. And everybody's out touring. She's busy seeing all the things instead of just the Mm. one thing. Yeah, Broadening her horizons. He's a character. We love her. 
I wish I could be as passionate about just one thing as Megan <laughs> is about all those things. I think the only thing I'm passionate about is sleeping. I like sleeping too, Donna. I, I love Me sleeping. Too. It's the best. <laughs> Sometimes during... And eating. Yeah. Sleeping and well, eating. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, during the day, too. like if I don't have anything else to do, I'll just sit on my couch and all of a sudden I'll wake up. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing it doesn't happen at work, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Or if I'm feeling kind of da- dro- drowsy, then I'll set an alarm just in case I accidentally fall asleep. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you know I've it's going to happen. Trouble because my daughter's home this summer and she her internship, she has to be there by eight and it's a long commute. So she's usually at the door a little after seven because she has to deal with rush hour, which means she wakes me up just wandering, you know, yeah, getting ready for work. I can hear her. So yeah, usually I can sleep even during the week can sleep till almost eight because I just pop out of bed and start working. But now, you know, I'm not getting my usual 12 hours. So it's kind of disappointing of sleep. You mean Yeah. <laughs> first I need at, at least 12 hours of sleep at, at night. At first <laughs> I was going to say of work. And then I was like, no, that's, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. Have you read that book called my year of rest and relaxation? Uh huh. What did you think yeah. of? What did you think of that? I could see that. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I mean, just because it was just fascinating to see how she planned this out. And part but, of me is, you know, I certainly have days where I'm just like, I just want to go to sleep and not wake up for a long time. So I could see that. When Dylan was a teenager, that's how I felt. I just wanted to sleep through that few years of time and have somebody mm-hmm. wake me up after it was over. Yeah, Bonnie, and she's, yeah, she just took it to an extreme, you know. Bonnie, book, the book but. that we're talking about is about a woman who plans in advance to sleep for a year. So she mm. pays all of her bills, you know, she sets up automatic food deliveries and all this. First of all, I mean, how do you fucking afford that? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Second mm. of all, once you reach a point where you can't go to sleep because you're obviously not tired and then you have to take drugs to go to sleep I would think you would lose the whole thread of why in the hell am I doing this but yeah Yeah, I don't think for me to happen in real life for me to even sleep 12 hours in one night I would have to take some drugs like straight in a straight line like I can come home and take few hours of a nap then be up for a couple hours and sleep for a couple more hours and be up for a couple hours and sleep for four or five hours and then be up but to sleep all the way through that doesn't happen I could send you a picture of the big yellow boots that oh, are, are, those they're, things are ugly they're a cross between the big red boot which basically is boots made of the same material as crocs and they look like cartoon boots, like a cartoon character. And celebrities are buying them and whatnot. And now at the Louis Vuitton Paris fashion show, here comes the big yellow boot, which is a cross between yellow Crocs and the big red boot. You got the big yellow Croc boots that have absolutely no purpose because you don't can't wear them as boots because there's holes in them see that's what i'm trying to i'm like gee that would be great for gardening i just sent you the picture donna except that 
the minute you walk out in your garden with Crocs, the soil gets in the freaking Crocs and it's a complete bust. Yeah. Then your feet are dirty. You have exactly. to come in and wash feet. Right. Yeah. So I bet these things have great arch support though. You think? <laughs> I don't know no, about that. Kidding. Holy I shit. I mean, listen, Crocs are comfortable as all get out. I have a pair of Crocs that I wear around the house and outside, but not to garden, obviously, just to walk around. I don't know if I could wear them in public. For one thing, they're extremely loud colored because I got the clearance ones. So I got the color that nobody else wanted. So they're, um, they kind of look like a British flag with the colors mm. and they're like a real bright blue and bright red. You could probably wear those for the 4th of July and people would compliment you and think that you were clever. The only time I've had to wash my Crocs is when my dog peed on my foot. Oh, gross. Your dog or somebody else's dog? No, it was Chanel. It was uh, Tyler's puppy. I just knew and it. She gets, she's an excited peer, so she was trying to jump up so I could pet her. And she peed gross. in the hole of my Crocs. Gross. And it went in my shoe. That's disgusting. Do people wear socks with Crocs? Tyler did, didn't he? I don't. Well, he would. No, I don't know about his Crocs. He wears uh, socks with his slides. I know the, socks and, the whole socks. socks and sandals thing. You know, that's that's like an eighty-year-old man. And the bucket hat just makes me think of old men going to the early bird buffet in Florida. Well, thanks. Am I once again being a judgy bitch? You're being judgy. Yeah. Same thing with flip-flops. What's the difference? There's not that much difference oh, between. Okay, that's a good point. Like, I got to give you that one. There's sometimes that I can wear flip-flops around and I get home and it looks like I've been walking around barefoot because the bottom of my feet are so dirty because the dirt just, you know, hops on up into the flip-flop. Especially if you're going to the state fair, you don't want to wear flip-flops to the state fair. Walking around <laughs> the, the cow barn with my yep. flip-flops. yep. The cow barn might require the croc boots. Oh! <laughs> Can you imagine wearing those big old things to the state fair? Oof. You, you got to do us a favor. You have to look up the big yellow boot. So it's actually a collaboration with Crocs. Would you wear that in public? And if so, my God, I wish I had your confidence. What about you, Donna? I mean, there's no, there's no utilitarian reason for those boots to exist there's no use for them it's yeah like you said it's just strictly a fashion statement because you wear boots when you don't want your feet to get wet right so why would you wear a pair of boots with a bunch of holes in them they, oh my god here's a pair of crocs that have nicholas cage's face on them I oh send my this to you. god two of That's my hilarious. least two of my least favorite things in the oh same product don't you even i so don't even want to see funny. that it's like my worst I'm sending it it's like I'm my worst nightmare stop it you bitch <laughs> this is hilarious hold on you know cute rain boots i can see wearing big cartoon rain boots that might be kind of fun and mm-hmm. like a fun fashion statement to make if you were young and trendy yeah, getting, those things look so uncomfortable. Getting though. them on would be interesting, but getting them off after you've been they, slogging around in them with sweaty feet—oh my god! 
Well, that and if you look at these, they're like smaller on the top and huge on the bottom. Yeah, they're like so cartoon you shoes. Your your feet have to go through that hole to get to the bottom. So you're going to be trying to pull those things on, pointing your toe like you're some kind of ballerina. Yeah. I don't remember how much the big red boots were, but it, it was in the hundreds of dollars. And they're talking about the, this Croc collaboration. Uh, oh, the big red boot arrived in February for a retail price of $350. Whoa. And this collaboration, they're expecting when they do put them out that they will sell out in seconds. I want to know who has that kind of disposable income. And if so, if they've got that kind of disposable income, I have a, a Patreon subscription I would like them to buy for, for right? all of their family members. <laughs> I like to go through life blending in. So yeah, wearing a gigantic pair of red boots that look like good, they were made for astronauts. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Cartoon because astronauts. People, yeah, because people would look at me and I don't want people to... I, really... I can also guarantee you if I wore those big red boots, I would take three steps and fall right on my butt <laughs> because I would trip. Right? <laughs> I trip over my own feet anyways, not even yes. wearing. Which again would boots. draw more attention to me. I was going to say, I that will go viral right now. <laughs> yeah. We should look that up. We should see if anybody has tripped while wearing the big red boots and see if, see if we can get any good viral video stuff to put up I know I I do tend to talk about things I find incomprehensible it's not that I'm trying to be a mean girl at all it's more like I just don't understand I want to understand why this is a thing why people pay that kind of money for something so in my opinion ridiculous and I'm kind of an asshole too so there are a lot of videos out there. Yeah. I tried to wear the, it's like, I tried to wear the big red boots for 24 hours <laughs> videos. <laughs> uh, Dang. Wait, wait a year and then look on Facebook marketplace and see how many of those you'll find. Yeah. Yeah. Or Poshmark. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I suppose we really should stop talking about footwear since we talked about that almost the whole time last. Was it last time that we were talking about Crocs? It comes up every fucking week, I swear. Feet are everything. They really are, kind of. I mean, yeah. everybody wants <laughs> it's to It's only be because you hate them so much. I do hate them. Okay, if you wore I've... Crocs with Nicolas Cage's face on them, I would publicly shout, oh my God, those are the ugliest <laughs> shoes I've ever seen. Why are you wearing those in public? Could you imagine looking down and looking down at your feet and Nicolas Cage is looking up at you? Those would definitely be uh, something you would wear with pants because I wouldn't want to think that Nicolas Cage was looking up my skirt all no, day long. I know Shona G would definitely love that because she likes Nicolas Cage. So if Nicolas Cage was looking up her skirt, it might kind of turn her on a little bit. She'd be all right with that. She'd be doing a little role playing all day long. It's like, oh my gosh, Nicolas Cage. I can't believe you're such a pervert. Look, he's looking up my skirt. <laughs> God. I suppose we really should change the subject from all this weird crap and talk about some books now. 
Well, Sounds like a plan. Unfortunately, I don't think they really thought much about footwear in my book. I read Under an Outlaw Moon by Dietrich Caltes. This is about newlyweds Benny and Stella Dixon, Depression-era bank robbers. So kind of taking a break from the uh, World War II. This book is uh, historical fiction, but it is based on their true story. And it starts out with when Benny first met Stella. And Benny was early 20s. And I think Stella was like 15. And um, he had just come back to town and saw her at the skating ring. And they kind of hit it off attracted to each other but of course she's only 15 so they kind of courted for a little while I they couldn't really date that much because she was only 15 or if you're a dugger oh yeah if you're a dugger that's definitely a a date (laughs) well yeah I mean you're like old lady cat status by 15 by dugger standards right so they meet they hit it off and he really likes her and wants to marry her and everything when she turns 16. And um, Benny's kind of been in trouble with the law already up to this point. Stole a car and did some time. I wanted to say there was something else too, but I can't remember. But when he goes to get a driver's license, I'm pretty sure it is, he gets in it with somebody at the DMV and punches are thrown and since he's already been in trouble with the law he knows that he's going to get thrown in jail so and he doesn't want that to happen so he skips town but he doesn't forget about stella you know loves her sends her letters and everything from california where he moved to and stella you know is 15 she loves him gets the letters and everything but she also is 15 and a bit naive Stella and her friend take a ride from a stranger to go home one time and he drops her friend off, but then doesn't drop Stella off and, you know, assaults her. Uh, She ends up have catching an STD from it and her mom has to take her to the clinic and everything else. And of course, because it's kind of a small town and well, before the laws of HEPA, everybody in the town finds out and she's kind of shunned. You know, it's they kind of treat her like it's her fault and so on and so forth. And so she's really looked down on and she just wants to get away from it. She wants to get away from her town. She misses Benny anyways. And she tells Benny, you know, I want to come out there with you. So Benny sends her money and she goes to California. And, you know, they, um, I wanted to say she gets a fake ID so that they can get married and they're kind of talking about what they're going to do for money and everything. And he's like, Hey, why don't we rob a bank? So, and I am pretty sure it's on their honeymoon. They like the night that they get married, they rob their first bank. And once kind of not the night, I think it's the next day that they get, after they get married. Because one thing that they seem to keep doing is they go to rob these banks before 
the time on this or the the uh, time lock on the safes have opened like they go first thing when the banks first open because they don't want a lot of people there because you know they're not robbing people they're just robbing the banks but they keep going too early and the time lock on the safes aren't open so then they end up having to just sit around holding people hostage basically in the bank waiting for the safes to open so that they can get the money Benny and Stella are great characters. Of course, they run into a lot of problems on the road with the fact that um, Stella's homesick. She wants to go home and see her mom and dad. But because now there are these outlaws and uh, J. Edgar Hoover has um, warned them enemy, public enemy number one. So cops and everybody else are out looking for them they have to keep a low profile and they know they're going to be watching both of their houses. So they can't go home. And Stella really struggles with that. You can really tell in this book by their actions, how young they are. And it's really surprising that they didn't get caught before they did. It was a very well-written book. It kept my interest. I usually don't read about like outlaws or like, the wild wild west or anything like that because it's just not that interesting to me and it doesn't keep my attention but this really kept my attention and i was very invested in their story and wanting to find out how it ends i did not wikipedia them <laughs> until i was all the way done with the book so it was a so true I didn't story myself... yeah well it's based on a true story oh. it's historical fiction so like some of the details are made up, but when I read about the actual bank robbers later, not just Wikipedia, I looked up a couple of different things. Um, their story, the book was pretty true, hmm. true to form. It, it kept everything pretty factual. It was an awesome book. It wasn't too long, which I liked. I actually read it in one day. I, I would definitely recommend it. Was it like a Bonnie and Clyde thing where they kind of became like folk heroes or sometimes, you know, they become kind of Robin Hood-ish kind of Rob from the rich type people? I mean, a little bit. Of course, they weren't as popular as like a Bonnie and Clyde mm -hmm. situation, but it kind of reminded me of a Bonnie and Clyde. There was a lot of times, you know, when they're robbing these banks and waiting for the safes to open, customers would come in and he would tell them, get to the floor and but he would never rob the customers themselves only the bank he wouldn't go around like collecting wallets and stuff like that it was a really good book and i was a little sad when i found out what happened in the book when it, they came to an end of their era and i'm not going to say what happened i was going to say don't spoil it I'm not going to spoil it, but I mean, it is based on a true story. So if you Wikipedia, it's going to tell you what happened. That's why I did not look it up until I was done with the book, because I was so into the story of just them there. It's like a love story with bank robbing and guns. It sounds depressing. It wasn't. It was good. <laughs> I love that little It was sigh. awesome. <sighs> it wasn't. And that, again, was called Under an Outlaw Moon by Dietrich Caltese. You know what I find interesting is that we don't hear more. Like when women get raped, 
especially even back then and whatnot, you don't hear, you hear about them getting pregnant from being raped, but you don't hear about them getting STDs. I think that's the first time I've ever heard a description of that happening to a rape. And I'm sure it happens all the time, but. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But but you just never hear of it. No. And I thought it was really sad that this horrible thing happened to her that she's trying to recover from anyways. And then everyone is like shunning her because she has an STD and like it was her fault. I mean, dang people. It's cruel. Yeah, I agree. So which one of you lovely ladies are going to go next? I think we're going to make Donna go next. We need a Donna sandwich. Okay. The book I wanted to talk about came out, I think, a month or so ago. The name of the book is The Three of Us. And the author's name is Ori Agbaiji Williams. She's of Nigerian descent. And the three main characters in her novel are also of Nigerian ancestry. It's a short book. It's right under 200 pages. And essentially, the book is about the dynamics between a husband and wife and her best friend of many years. And all three characters, I think, are probably in their late 20s. It's never really said, um, but you just kind of get a sense when you get to know more about them that that's about how old they are. And as I mentioned, they're all of Nigerian descent. They're all living in London. It's set in London. And the entire book takes place in the course of an afternoon and an evening. And as the plot develops, you get, you know, during the course of this day, you're, you get the backstories of each of these three characters. And what's interesting to me about this book is it's in three sections. And the first section is narrated by the wife. The middle section is narrated by the husband. And the third section is narrated by the best friend. But it's not like, here's my version of what happened. Here's, you know, they pick, they pick it up as the afternoon progresses. It gets to a certain point, you know, where the wife is talking about it, and then it's handed off to the husband at a point, and then it's handed off to the best friend as, as things continue to move forward. So it's not a Rashomon thing where it's like, here's my, you know, viewpoint of what the situation is. They just each, you know, take over. It's like a relay race, kind of. I was just going to say tag um, team. Sounds like a tag team. Exactly. So again, we start out with the wife. And the book starts out, she and her best friend are hanging out at the wife's home, drinking wine, eating junk food while her husband's at work. Through the wife talking about their, her backstory, these, her two, these two friends met like in elementary school or whatever the equivalent is in Great Britain. They went to college together and they remained really close friends, even though their lives had taken very different paths. And... You can sense a lot of tension because the best friend doesn't like the wife's husband at all, and he does not like her at all. And the friend is unhappy because the wife has just told her that she and her husband are going to try to have a baby, have been trying to have a baby. And the best friend, whose name is Temi, and interestingly enough, she's the only one that's that's given a name, she's really disappointed in her friend because... Her friend married her husband right out of college and kind of abandoned all the plans that they, these two friends had made together to you know, launch their ambitious careers and travel the world and 
you know, enjoy being single and unattached. And Tammy can sense that, that her friend is ambivalent about having a baby. And she knows that while her friend is content in her marriage, she doesn't really love her husband. And Tammy has always kind of hoped that at some point her friend would see the light and leave her husband. So of course she's not happy that they're now starting to fam you know, trying to start a family together. So eventually the husband comes home from work and that's when he takes over the story. And he's of course unhappy to find Tammy there with his wife and that they've been drinking because, you know, she's supposed to not be drinking alcohol because he read somewhere that drinking decreases the odds of getting pregnant. And you, as you, you know, read more about his viewpoint, he's always felt like there were three people in his marriage, one of whom he detests. So the tensions just escalate when he gets home. You know, the husband's trying to hint that Tammy should leave and Tammy's refusing and the wife is in the middle between the two of them trying to be a peacemaker. And then at one, at some point, Tammy takes over the story and you get her perspective on her friend's marriage and the hostility between the friend and the husband continue to ratchet up until the end of the book when Tammy really reveals this piece of information that kind of rocks the husband completely and blindsides him. And I mean, and essentially that's the book, you know, and one thing I found interesting is often with books like this with, you know, different narrators, you kind of traditionally, like you'd be listening to the wife's side of the story and feel sympathy or empathy for her. And then the husband, you know, you're like, oh, well, I guess I can see his point of view and then the best friend. But what's interesting about this is that I disliked the people even less after they got done telling their part of the story. They aren't super nice people, but I think it's the situation they're in. By the time each person got done with their their side of the story, I didn't like them even more. <laughs> but I, I think I, the thing I liked about this most, because I think it's an interesting topic, is how important women's friends can be in their lives, even after getting married and having kids. I heard an interview with Fran Lebowitz, the she used to be a writer. Now, I guess she's just a great wit. She's being interviewed and she was talking about how important her friends are to her and her life. And she said something interesting. She said, you know, friends are the only relationships we really choose on our own. You know, obviously we can't pick our families. We're born into them. And she even argued that in a way you don't even really pick your mate because there's sexual chemistry involved and hormones and, you know, sexual attraction. Whereas when we choose our friends, we choose them for different reasons often that we, we choose a mate. And that's why friends are so important, particularly in women's lives. And I know I've had situations, and I'm sure you guys have too, where a friend of yours is dating somebody you really don't like, or your partner has a friend you really don't like. And it can be kind of traumatic. And one of my best friends, I remember years ago, started dating this guy and I, I just couldn't stand him. And I remember, I remember I was planning a Super Bowl party and I was like, okay, how can I invite my friend but not have his significant other come? I mean, it was that much of a dislike. I mean, it, it can really strain relationships. But um, anyway, I just, I thought it was an interesting topic 
I liked the book. I wouldn't say I loved the book. And um, I read it because it, it cast an interesting light on, on female friendship. I, you know, I, I think I would give it probably three and a half stars or so. But if, it's, if that's a topic that interests you, I think it's skillfully written and the characters are interesting. And again, it's short. I read it in like an hour and a half. But um, the name of the book is The Three of Us. And the writer is Ori Agbaiji Williams. What you said was so profound about friendships and women's friendships or what she said. Yeah, no one ever has accused me of being profound, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if those are your words, but the way you said that is so, it's so true. And in a way that I don't think I've ever heard articulated in quite that way. The way women make friendships, they do it based on such specific criteria and in many cases much more deeply than they do with their own spouses. There are so many, so many different things that you share with your friends and tell your friends that are so much more deep than the things that you share with your spouse. But it's definitely something that we need, we have to have. Okay, maybe it's just me that needs to have it. <laughs> I think a lot of women have friends that they have for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a constant in our lives. And other things come in and out and jobs and, you know, partners. And for a lot of women, those friends are, you know, in many ways, the most important relationships in their lives. Well, and, and me, I mean, like, for example, the, the women who are my friends in high school, when I speak to them, it's like you pick up right where you left off. You don't have to go through a lot of, and Facebook helps, to be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you don't have to fill them in on everything that's been going on for the last 20 years. You can just pick up and go. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're Well, alone. and sometimes it can be kind of sad because... You'll have this, like when you're single and right out of college or high school or whatever, you know, and you're in your 20s, getting your life started, you have this group of friends. And a lot of times what happens is when you have kids or get married, sometimes you're pulled away from those friends. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times your friends then become your kids' friends' parents. And you're, those relationships that you've had for a long time kind of fade away. And, but they ebb and flow, um, I think. And, and yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. if you're really lucky, then they ebb and flow. Those are the people that you can just pick right up with. Yeah. If they're good friends. You know, yeah. there are people who, if you fade out of their life for any reason, then they take it personally and it's never possible to pick up and go again. Yeah. And I've certainly had that experience. My my daughter is, you know, she's 21. She's growing up. She's college. And I've been able to pick up friendships with people that I was very good friends with before I had her. Mm-hmm. And and thing, we drifted apart because Life. You know, your yeah. priorities are different. Yeah. And it's sad, but it, you know, a lot of my friends didn't go on to have children. So they just weren't that part of my life. But I've been able to pick it up and it's been wonderful. So... You're right. If it's, if it's, if you're good enough friends, you'll find each other again. Exactly. All right. I was trying to, I went back here and I was looking through all of my books and I was trying to figure out a way that I could review something that wouldn't 
be serious. You guys both chose books that were fairly deep. But unfortunately, this is the book I am going to have to review because it was so good. That and I read it more, more recently than the others. And I'm going to really have to do some research. So the book I read this week is called A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. And faithful listeners will remember that I have reviewed several books by this woman. She just, for, for some reason, once you find an author that writes in such a way that you just have an instant connection with the story, you find yourself going back to them again and again to be entertained. And that's sort of where I fell in this one. I sort of put this on my wish list way back when I read the last one. And my, my um, holds list at the library I had a big lull where nothing was coming in because I was on hold for, you know, 16, 18, 20 weeks for some of the stuff that I put on hold. So I went back to my wish list and started sort of looking for some things to read. And that's when I found this one. Um, It's about a really interesting set of circumstances that happen completely by accident. A woman finds the the main our main character one day finds this package of stuff on the beach. And by package of stuff I mean it's been very deliberately like wrapped up in such a way that will would keep it from being ruined by the ocean. And inside the package There's a Hello Kitty lunchbox that has these diaries inside. And she kind of guesses that that it may have come from a person when that big tsunami hit. 2011 earthquake and tsunami likely traveled to Canada from Japan. So basically she has this information and this this diary of this girl this Japanese girl and the young girl is just so compelling in all of her the way she talks to the diary some of the information that you get is just heartbreaking most of it based on the way she's treated at her school because her family had her dad was a tech guy and he got transferred to the U.S. to work for a dot-com company, a startup. And when they lost everything in the dot-com bust, he lost his job and they had to move back to Japan. Well, she was very Americanized, obviously. She's way behind in her studies because American schools don't keep up with Uh, the way they do things in Japan. So she was already behind. And she's just really ostracized by her peers. They think she's just this, the lowest of the low. And they're not shy about the way they bully her. It's like the whole class is in on it. They give her 
bruises like all up and down her arms from the pinching and that she's got bald spots in her hair from where they pull her hair and they just treat her hideously as a matter of fact at one point it's so bad that her teacher is a substitute teacher and he allows the class to bully her on the last day of school, they do a funeral for her and pretend she's dead while she's there. And, I mean, she the girl is just absolutely treated so horribly and so unfairly. And it's interesting to see the way that the character of Ruth, which is autobiographical novel she she was a finalist for both the Pulitzer and the Man Booker Awards yeah it, it says autobiographical I didn't realize that but so she she's able to connect with this teenage girl in a way that you normally wouldn't get to and she has this, this girl has kept this diary that she got from a family member. He was trained to be a kamikaze and he, he had been secretly writing in this diary his true feelings about having to do that. And that was highly frowned upon, obviously. And he had to smuggle this diary out. And I'm, I, I'm not going to go into detail on that. Just suffice it to say that he had, he wanted so badly to get this information out that he had written it in French. And so his, they, no one could read it because they were all Japanese. So there's that portion of it too. It's like this huge puzzle that all comes out of this package of information that's washed in by the ocean. It's just absolutely a brilliant piece of writing. I wish I had read it sooner. It, it, there's just so much in it. It's hard to even really describe how profound it is. The little girl's aunt is a Buddhist nun. So you get that section of it too. You know, the all, all the teachings that her great great aunt or whatever she is and her connection with that great aunt is almost like the best relationship she has in her life so there were there's a lot of stuff to unpack in this thing but it was so worth the read like I said it was back in written back in 2012 2013 And it's definitely not light reading, but it is in a way less sad than it would be if you were reading this girl's story on its own because you're removed from it enough to where you can really take in her story because you're, you're, you're watching Ruth process the whole thing. So... It was just really a great book. I don't think it would be hard to say that I 
it would be hard for me to choose which one of her books I liked the most because they were all so good, but they were all so different. But this is definitely the kind of book that I would recommend, especially when it comes to somebody who likes serious things. It would be interesting to me to hear what somebody who likes this kind of book would think about it. Because normally I never ever would have read this. If it hadn't been written by her, I never would have picked it up. Because I trust her style and her way of doing things so much that I would just pretty much read anything she wrote. And that was called A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. Yeah, I read that about when it came out about 10 years ago. And now you make me want to read it again because I loved it so much. And I know so many people that love this book so much. And it, like you said, it's hard to classify it as because it's kind of funny and it's very touching. And if I recall, it like sort of touches on quantum physics it does there's so much in it yeah and yeah and how she puts pulls this all together is a joy to read I I I will echo you it's it's an amazing book and now I want to read it again (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely the kind of thing that would really make a great group read I think because it has elements of so many different types of things going on And there are so many different things to talk about within it. For example, I wouldn't be surprised if Vonnie liked it because it's got that facet of historical fiction sort of woven into the whole thing. You learn a lot about Buddhist nuns. Um, You learn a lot about kamikazes, which I thought was fascinating. I didn't, I would have never read a book like this. Great choice. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna try to review something lighter, but I I was prepared for that one and I figured, what the heck? Cause I like it just being the three of us. It was kinda nice. Well, hopefully you won't be too embarrassed to tell people that you were on the show today, Donna. I'll wait and see how you edit it and we'll decide. So <laughs> <laughs> I gotta listen to it first. Good say. I'm totally leaving that in. All we talked about was Crocs. God, we have got to get new topics. (laughs) I've got to find something new ridiculous to be outraged about. How about the fact that vet care is so expensive? I'm going to have to start trading sexual favors for my dog's vet bills. Hey, Dr. Heather might be into that. We could ask her. (laughs) Of course, you'd have to move to Indiana. but (laughs) Or just take a trip. I mean, road trip. (laughs) Get a hotel, stay the weekend. Wouldn't even have to change my sheets when I got home. God. <laughs> I, I think you really do need to see if you can uh, wear a wear a lower cut top when you go to the vet so that you could maybe get a discount or something. I know. Except you'd something. be covered with dog hair, so that kind of ruins the effect. Right. Dog hair and the cleavage probably isn't yeah. very uh, attractive. <laughs> now and I'm, Crocs. Oh, now I'm completely yeah. grossed out. Hey. <laughs> on a bunch of different that's, levels. That's that's a pretty sexy hairy cleavage you got going on there. Oh, <laughs> Thanks. Took my dog to the vet today. <laughs> I forgot to shave. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
let me get out my lint brush. Now see, <laughs> sexy lint brushing. Yeah. Hey. I find those. I buy those by the gross. Yeah. That's a whole other. I feel like that should be a whole other like facet of porn, dog lovers porn, where you know you you, you do the sexy lint brushing and the dog barfs in the middle of love making or you know something like that. I w- I would think that that would be a very very specialized, but yet very popular topic for for a porn maker wouldn't you think be very realistic eye contact with your dog while you're having sexual relations get turned on by the smell of milk bones yeah you could go (laughs) i think that's going down a rabbit hole that we don't want to go down I suddenly feel Listen, very I aroused. Love my dog, but I don't love my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a special section for that too, but I don't think we want to go there. Fans only. Only that's, fans. That's going to be seriously. Only fans page. Seriously, Bonnie, you could, you could instead of you know having your second job as a sampler person at Target, you could just skip that and go right to the sexy dog mom. OnlyFans page. There's got to yeah. be a Reddit group for that. Got to be. My dog peed in my Crocs. Why am I suddenly so horny? <laughs> <laughs> Golden shower, doggy oh! style. <laughs> a whole new. A whole new meaning for golden shower. My golden retriever right. peed on my shoe. <laughs> Let's make out while my dog chews up toilet paper. Yeah, that would be. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, oh, and don't forget the flaming hot Cheetos, because that's yeah. that's going to be fun to clean up later. <laughs> oh, that's the after foreplay. That's right. right. <laughs> you get to clean up the dog puke. You feel like cuddling, honey? No, I feel like cleaning up some Cheeto poo. <laughs> mm, better now than have to step on in the middle of the night. Could use a doggy bag as a condom. That would be like really cool. Hey, if you have a guy that's big enough to use a doggy bag as a condom, <laughs> woo, you've got whole other issues. <laughs> I like, I like that, Donna. I think that we could probably monetize that for the OnlyFans mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like then you'd only have to do one product. You could do mm-hmm. a poo bag that also doubles as a condom. You can use it after one, but not after the other. <laughs> no. Oh! Ultra sensitive Sorry. doggy bags. Ribbed doggy bags for for whose for pleasure? pleasure? For for extra gripping. Oh! <laughs> now I am gonna puke, and that's gonna do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Thanks for having me. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at Three Book girls.com and join the group three book girls tribe on facebook if you really love them share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events three book girls a steel trap production